Hey, Proof listeners, it's Bridget here. And today's episode of Proof is a bonus episode, one of many that we're doing this summer, where we're going to answer those weird food questions from you. This question comes from at Amy Elner, and she asks, why is ranch so addictive? Great question. So today I have our producer, Caroline, and she's here in the studio with me. Hey, Caroline. Hi, Bridget. Now, do you consider yourself to be a ranch expert? Expert? No, <laughs> but I do love it. A ranch consumer? Yes. A ranch lover? A consumer. Lover, yes. Yes. Okay, good. So am I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both love ranch. So this was not a really hard task for you because you didn't mind the subject. Correct. Right. Yeah. So you did a lot of digging here. What did you find out about ranch? Well, I found out that ranch is super popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's everywhere. 40% of Americans say it's their favorite salad dressing. The next closest is Italian dressing at 10%. Really? Yeah. That big of a spread. Oh, yeah. It's big here. Honestly, ranch is sort of synonymous with America. In Iceland and other parts of Europe, Cool Ranch Doritos are actually called Cool American Flavor. So it's our patriotic duty to eat ranch. It is, yes. So how exactly did ranch get its start? Where did it come from? This man named Steve Henson was in Alaska, and he was working construction, and he found it difficult to get access to fresh ingredients up in Alaska. So he decided to make a mix of dried herbs and aromatics that he could mix with buttermilk to feed his crewmates. A few years later, in 1954, Steve and his wife bought a ranch in California and named it Hidden Valley. (laughs) And they started to serve food at the ranch, and there was a high demand for this creamy, tangy, herby sauce that they would serve along with steaks. Eventually, Steve started packaging the dried mix and selling it to visitors, and they even put it in some of the local stores in Southern California. So people were flocking to the Hidden Valley Ranch to eat steaks and this gorgeous salad dressing. What is it about ranch that makes us keep wanting to eat it? Well, ranch hits all the right flavor notes. It's creamy and tangy from buttermilk and mayo. It's herby and salty, a bit oniony. And it's got a touch of sweetness, and it balances out all of the different tastes. Salty, sour, sweet, bitter, umami. And in our flavor pairings bonus episode, expert Natalie Taki actually talked about how our bodies crave this flavor balance. And ranch totally achieves that. But I'll get back to the balance later. It also helps that MSG, or monosodium glutamate, a flavor enhancer, has been in ranch since Steve's dried powder mix back in the 1950s. Wow. So it's a one-stop flavor shop for Mm -hmm. the palate. Exactly. Very few people are going to argue that it is not delicious. It's incredibly delicious. But why are we talking about it being addictive? That's a whole different thing. Yes, it is. So this is where we get into some science. So our bodies need calories to survive. We recognize flavor as an indication of nutrients and calories. And this goes back to caveman times. Before we actually knew what was good for us, our bodies knew on their own. So humans, and actually animals too, naturally seek a healthy, balanced diet beyond just minimum caloric intake. 
There was a study done in 1926 by a researcher named Clara M. Davis titled The Self-Selection of Diets by Young Children. And basically, Clara cared for 15 babies between 6 and 11 months old that weren't yet exposed to normal foods. Mainly, they were being breastfed before that. And she let them eat whatever they wanted from a list of 34 foods. The list included normal things like water and apples to a bit more extreme foods like brains and bone jelly. Wow. Yeah. And the kids were presented with all of the foods, and they were able to eat or not eat however much or little they wanted. They started sampling everything, but that quickly faded, and they began to develop some preferences. However, the preferences would occasionally change without warning. But long story short, the kids were healthier than ever. Some of them started the study malnourished or sick with things like rickets, a vitamin D deficiency that we don't really see today. It was more common back in the 1900s. And they left the study healthy. The children with rickets were provided cod liver oil, and they actually chose to drink it. I wouldn't have done that. (laughs) But these babies, they drank it until they returned to normal levels of vitamin D, and then they didn't touch it again. Their body told them, this has the nutrients we need. Keep eating it. And then later told them, we don't need these nutrients anymore. Please stop drinking this gross fish liver oil. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine a baby just drinking fish liver oil? I know. I can't. I mean, I wouldn't do it today. No. But somehow they knew. Right. This has what I need. And it wasn't just the sick kids that were eating differently and getting better. Overall, at the end of the study— An outside pediatrician assessed the kids who, by the time the study was over, were now six and seven years old. And the pediatrician said they were the healthiest first graders he'd ever seen. So when given the option, humans and babies Mm -hmm. too, will self-select that balanced diet. And there's similar studies that have been done with goats and cows as well. And all of the animals turned out healthier when they picked their own food compared to a control sample that had food provided to them by a nutritionist. Okay, I'm going to interrupt our episode for a quick intermission. It's time for today's Bob's Red Mill Grain Quiz. Today I'm challenging Catherine Prisbola, who's our social media director extraordinaire, and I'm going to give her a quiz about protein. Hello? Hey, Catherine. How much would you say you know about protein? Well, you know, I used to work alongside professional basketball players. Let's just say athletes are big on protein, so I'm feeling pretty confident. All right, I've got the right person. So, Catherine, which of these has the highest protein content? Is it A, 20 almonds, B, two eggs, or C, two pancakes? I'm remembering Rocky Balboa drinking raw eggs before training, so I'm going to trust my gut and go with B, two eggs. Eh. Almost. Oh, no. What? <laughs> well, with Bob's Red Mill's protein pancake and waffle mix, two pancakes contain 15 grams of protein. Not to mention it's going to go down a whole lot easier than raw eggs. For more information and a ton of delicious recipes, go to bobsredmill.com. Now, back to the show. So we've established that our bodies know what's good for us and that our bodies will indicate 
what's good to eat and what's not using flavor. The way our bodies know to stop eating certain things, like the baby who stopped eating cod liver once their rickets were cured, is that anything in excess becomes toxic. Our bodies will tell us when to stop, when they've had too much. Even water can be toxic if consumed in excess. Absolutely. But what does water and toxicity and excess have to do with ranch? Why is ranch so addictive? That's the question that we keep going back to. <laughs> Listen, Bridget, I'm getting there. It's a long and windy <laughs> road back to Hidden Valley Ranch. Back to the ranch. <laughs> yeah. All this self-regulation would be great if we were eating a diet of whole natural foods. But we're not. A lot of foods these days have added flavor, be it artificial or natural. You remember the difference from the season one bonus episode. I do recall. Yeah. So those added flavors don't have any nutritional value, but they mimic foods that do. And this confuses our bodies. There isn't anything to trigger our brains to tell us to stop eating because we're getting the flavors that say, hey, there's nutrients here, but we're not actually getting those nutrients. We have these super flavorful foods that don't carry the nutrition to match the flavor. So our body never gets the message to stop because it's still hoping to get those nutrients that accompany the flavor. So this gets us a bit closer to why we don't want to stop eating certain foods like ranch that have a lot of flavor, but not a whole lot of nutritional value. Let's take it another step further though. I don't know what our listener meant when she submitted the question, but I'm going to take it literally. Can ranch and food in general actually be addictive? I wanted to find out if food could be addictive in the true sense of the word. So I did some research, and it turns out that fat, salt, and sugar react with our brain in similar ways to drugs like heroin, cocaine, or even caffeine. Ranch has fat from the buttermilk, salt from the salt, <laughs> and sugar, because most processed foods these days have added sugar. So ranch is the perfect recipe to be addictive. Well, what did you mean addiction or addictive in the true sense of the word? What exactly did you mean by that? Well, there are many indicators that food addiction is more similar to drug addiction than people realize. Some psychologists at Yale came up with a food addiction scale to quantify and measure food addiction. It's a survey that asks respondents about their eating habits over the past year of certain foods such as sweets, starches, salty snacks, fatty foods, and sugary drinks. Respondents note the frequency that they experience certain feelings and situations from zero or never mm -hmm. to seven every day. What do you mean by those situations? Like what? They have statements like, I ate to the point where I felt physically sick. That was just last Tuesday for me. <laughs> or eating the same amount of food did not give me as much enjoyment as it used to. That was this morning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In 2016, the Yale Food Addiction Scale 2.0 took a sample of 550 people, and 14.6% met that criteria for food addiction. Wow. Yeah. And this scale was used as the basis of an interesting neurological study at the University of Oregon, where researchers found that it's not that food tastes better to someone who scores high on the Yale scale. 
It's that they want the food more. Even though it doesn't necessarily taste better to them. Yes. That's really interesting. Yeah. So this neural correlates of food addiction study showed images of different foods to people at different points on the Yale food scale. And those on the high end of the food addiction scale, their brains lit up when shown a picture of a milkshake. This wasn't the case with people on the lower end of the food addiction scale. However, when the subjects were actually given a milkshake to drink, their brains reacted very similarly. What the food addicted people experienced was called incentive salience, which is a fancy way of saying that they craved the milkshake. They wanted it more than the non-food addicted person. This brain activity was not dissimilar to that of a drug addict. A lot of the cravings are in anticipation of drug use, and the drug itself doesn't quite satisfy the expectation. So it's the anticipation of getting a milkshake. Yes. Which is what's driving this more than the actual milkshake. Exactly. Yes. Gotcha. So let's take that milkshake with us as we walk back to the ranch. (laughs) Why is ranch so addictive? What have we learned here? So because our bodies think flavor means nutrition, but it doesn't anymore, our bodies don't have internal red lights to tell us when to stop eating. And the combination of salt, sugar, and fat, and the oniony, creamy, herby flavor pairing set off neurotransmitters in our brain that makes us feel good. So we feel good eating ranch, and then there's nothing nutritious about it to tell us to stop eating it. And that is why ranch is so addictive. And that's why I want a big salad with ranch and maybe a few Doritos on the side. I think we should sprinkle the Doritos on top like a crouton. And have a milkshake. Yes. Thanks, Caroline. Thank you. Thanks so much to our producer, Caroline, who did a great job. And thanks to at Amy Elner for submitting this question. Keep tuning in every Thursday for more Proof bonus episodes where we answer your questions. And if you have a weird food question that you'd like us to answer, email proof at americastestkitchen.com. And stay tuned for season three of Proof coming this fall.